You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Asthma continues to be a major problem for our pediatric patients. What kind of research is being done to help us develop new therapies to help these children? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me today is Dr. Fernando Martinez, the director of the Arizona Respiratory Center and the Swift McNear Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Tucson. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Martinez. Thank you for having me, Lee. I was interested in this acronym, the CARE Network, a Childhood Asthma Research and Education Network, but I don't know much about it. Can you tell us what this is? Sure. I think one of the things that many of us who are interested in asthma, and particularly in childhood asthma, had noticed was that often the medicines that are used in the treatment of children with asthma have never been really tested in children. At most, the FDA has required that they are shown to be safe and have been shown to be effective in older patients with asthma, adults or young adults. Uh, This is a rather uh, fascinating and sad story because Really, from the point of view of the law, the only thing that was needed is to show effectiveness in adults and safety in children, and you can just uh, use the medicines as if they were also effective in children. But the asthma that uh, children have is different from the asthma that uh, adults have, and often we have the clinical impression that the medicines we're using in childhood for the treatment of many diseases, not only asthma, may be perhaps less effective than what they are in adults. Certainly any of us who have gone through medical school and have done a rotation on pediatrics and adult internal medicine know that children are not just little adults. Well, that's the way that we have treated them until now. In fact, the only stimulus to study these medicines specifically in terms of effectiveness in children on the part of the FDA was providing a a brief extension of the patent for the use of the medicines to the companies that were willing to do so. So the reason then why we developed the care network, and really it was developed by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, was to specifically test these medicines during childhood. And when we got into this, we were extremely surprised when we reviewed the literature as how little there was in terms of specific demonstration of effectiveness, for example, of uh, inhaled corticosteroids or leukotriene receptor antagonists or other medicines in children. And most of the time, as I was explaining earlier, this was had only been shown to be effective in adults. So that's one of the things we were interested in. And other things were certainly the potential for pharmacogenetics to be uh, an instrument that we could use to decide who was treated with which medicine. And also, when you have alternative Alternatives for treatment of different forms of asthma, which should be the preferred medicine, and comparisons between effectiveness of different medicines are used, for example, as controllers is another area that we have uh, tackled. And is this network made up, I imagine, of various medical institutions around the country? Yes. There are five clinical centers in San Diego, Kaiser Permanente there, and UCSD, the University of California at San Diego, at the University of Arizona then at uh, National Jewish Center in Denver and in St. Louis, uh, Washington University and uh, University of Wisconsin at Madison. So it's five clinical centers and we have a data coordinating center at Penn in Hershey. And is there a central body that helps to coordinate who is doing what research so there isn't overlap and different goals are pursued? We do this in a collaborative manner. We have a steering committee that is made up of the uh, principal investigators of all five 
centers and of the data coordinating center, and we decide together by consensus which are going to be the protocols that we're going to develop, and all centers develop the same protocols. In other words, we have a standardized way of developing the protocols. It's not that one center will develop one protocol and another one another one. This has its advantages because, of course, we include children from different parts of the country, uh, from different ethnic and minority groups, poor and not so poor, and, and therefore we can really also determine if there are differences in the way people of different origins or of different socioeconomic levels respond to the medicines, which is another very important objective of our studies. Since the funding is from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, does that allow you to do certain types of research that we might not see from a pharmaceutically sponsored study? Absolutely. That's the objective. We're not into the business of doing what industry would want to do based on their own objectives. What we are doing is are those kind of studies that probably industry would not be interested in doing. So you're not going to see the traditional, straightforward, effectiveness type of studies only. You're, you're also going to see studies that perhaps uh, appear to be very different to what industry would want to do. And I can give you some examples. For example, we have two studies that have compared uh, leukotriene receptor antagonists to inhaled corticosteroids to combination therapy between inhaled corticosteroids and long-acting beta agonists to determine which of these are the best potential initial approach to children with uh, mild and moderate persistent asthma. So these are the type of studies that perhaps you would not expect from industry because they may not have a specific commercial uh, appeal, but have a very significant and important uh, practical appeal for the physician out there. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm talking with Dr. Fernando Martinez, the director of the Arizona Respiratory Center in Tucson, Arizona, about the Childhood Asthma Research and Education Network, or CARE Network. Dr. Martinez, the pharmacogenetics sounded very interesting to me. Is this going to predict what particular individual might respond to what particular drug in the future? I'm convinced that that's perhaps one of the areas in which we're going to see the application of uh, genetics and genomics the earliest. It's going to be a little bit more difficult to figure out what the genetics of these diseases are and what are the genes that determine the disease itself. But it's going to be, I'm not saying easy because it almost seems as nothing is very easy in biology, but it's going to be easier at least to determine who responds to which medicine. Still, we're not going to have absolute determinants of response, and it's not that there's going to be any algorithm or computer that is going to replace the person-to-person relationship between physician and practitioner on the one hand and patient and their families on the other hand. But at least we're going to have better instruments so that we can say, okay, if you have this particular genetic polymorphism, you're more likely to respond to this medicine, so this is the medicine I'm going to give you. I have to tell you that there are some very interesting and exciting and new uh, findings in that area, not only in asthma, but in many other diseases. We still need to work more on that, and, and certainly we don't yet have the complete instrument box for that, but we're getting there. That's the area that perhaps we're going to see advances in practice the earliest. And I imagine this might be also applied not only to medications, but what other triggers might cause asthma, environmental triggers or other things. That is exactly right. In fact, what we call gene-environment interactions is also an area of, uh, of great interest. And it's very appropriate that you have stressed that because 
We recently uh, published a new uh, guidelines for the treatment of asthma, and therapeutic approach to asthma there is given a similar importance uh, with respect to environmental approaches. And that's another area that is very interesting. We, we're finding out that different exposures affect people differently, and most likely it is the genes that determine that differential susceptibility to environmental exposures. So I think all these areas are going to be perhaps the ones that we're going to see the most significant changes and the ones that perhaps in the new guidelines, uh, 10 or whatever number of years from now, are going to be stressed the most. And I think you had mentioned to me there's also some interesting work in the field of antibiotics for exacerbations. Yes, we're increasingly more interested in the potential use of uh, certain types of, of antibiotics that perhaps may have anti-inflammatory effects. There's a lot of interest in macrolides and their uh, potential role, not only because they may have antibiotic effect, say, on certain types of mycoplasma or, or other uh, chlamydia or other potential triggers of asthma, but because we're finding out that these uh, antibiotics may have anti-inflammatory effects. For example, as you may know, acitromycin is already being used chronically in cystic fibrosis, a chronic inflammatory condition of the airways associated with infection, which is uh, lethal in uh, most patients who have this uh, genetic condition. In fact, they're being used most likely not because of their antibiotic effect, but because of their anti-inflammatory effect. And now the idea is that the same anti-inflammatory effect may be used, for example, in certain patients with asthma, particularly those who may have a form of the disease that is not as sensitive to the use of uh, inhaled corticosteroids and other anti-inflammatories. So that's an area that we are also exploring. In terms of the nuts and bolts of the studies, should practitioners in the areas of these five centers be more cognizant and try to be referring children for these studies? Absolutely. In all these centers, we have collaboration with some of the practices in town to enroll patients in these studies and to uh, support the role of the general practitioners in uh, educating and following these patients. If uh, other practitioners have not directly participated in these studies, they're not only welcome, but they will see that this is also helpful for them to be able to better follow their own patients. We actively collaborate with them in their uh, interest in improving the lives of these patients that participate in our studies. We're also considering uh, extending our clinical trials to other cities and other uh, potential opportunities of this type in the future. So it may be that we will be able to extend this not only to the cities where we're at, but also to other cities uh, in the country. Very nice. It's so refreshing to have research that's being done without some economic goal, but really to get a better understanding and better treatment for our patients. That is exactly the case. We have no particular uh, financial interest in uh, any of the uh, trials that we perform, and in fact, we're very, very careful in the case that there could be some conflicts of interest, which uh, is always something that we need to take into account to clarify to everybody that what those potential conflicts of interest are and that we are keen on avoiding that those influence the result of our studies. 
I have to add, by the way, something that is also important. We're, we're also interested in determining if the medicines that we're using have a role in changing the course of, of asthma. In other words, if we should use our medicines not only because they improve the lives of our patients, but also because they could allow us to improve more long-term the life of our patients. Unfortunately, we have been unable to show that that is the case, which has been disappointing. On the other hand, it was important to figure that out. We recently published in the New England Journal of Medicine a paper showing that inhaled corticosteroids given to very young children with asthma symptoms, we're talking about two to three-year-olds, were really effective while we were giving them. But when we stopped them, the children were not any better than if we had not given them the medicines. That, again, was disappointing. But it also is helpful because it allows us to think that perhaps we need to develop even better medicines to uh, allow our patients perhaps to stop using them one day and uh, not needing them any longer. It's another area that we're very interested in. Well, I want to thank Dr. Fernando Martinez, who has been our guest as we've been discussing the very important and very interesting work of the CARE Network, the Childhood Asthma Research and Education Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.